The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Tonight, we've got uh, Linda Godfrey. She's going to be joining us, and she's she's just incredible to have on. Uh, she's a re- researcher and investigator of werewolves, Bigfoot, uh, similar creatures with uh, for over 24 years. She's the author of 16 published books on strange cre- creatures, places, and people. And, uh, and she's got a book out there, The Beast of Bray Road, Tailing Wisconsin's Werewolf, Real Wolfmen, True Encounters in Modern America, and American Monsters. I, I remember talking to her uh, many, many months ago. I don't remember what month it was we had her on the uh, the the podcast program the streaming program that we were doing and uh, she was fascinating not only was she fascinating but i remember her telling us some pretty cool details about the the beast of bray road story that she broke in the newspaper if i remember correctly as a reporter and it kind of turned her life into one of being an investigative reporter of cryptids and obviously she's written a lot of books about it so she's a fascinating guest and uh, we're really lucky to have her on tonight hey gang it's jv here we hope you're enjoying this episode of Beyond Reality Radio. Some of you are new to the program, and some of you have been with us for years. And no matter if you're interested in ghosts, the UFO phenomenon, conspiracy discussions, or any of the other topics we explore on this program, we do it for you. Our goal here is to help find answers to some of the world's most enduring mysteries. And as we continue to bring you interviews and discussions each night, it's important that we get your feedback and even more importantly, your support. The media landscape is forever changing, and as it does, we need to be able to change with it. That's why it's important for you, right now, to go to our YouTube channel and subscribe. Once on YouTube, just search for J.V. Johnson. You'll find it there. Subscribe. It's all free, and it'll make you part of our global community. In addition, Beyond Reality Radio is available as a podcast. Go to your favorite podcast platform and search for Beyond Reality Radio and subscribe there as well. And finally, we have an archive program that you may enjoy as well. This show can be found on major podcast platforms, and it's called Beyond Reality Paranormal. By supporting us in one or all of those places, you can be sure we'll be able to continue to deliver quality shows to you, no matter what form the media landscape takes. As a paranormal historian, I promise you the best and most entertaining conversations as we continue to hunt for the truth. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so let's go to our guest line and bring in our our guest, uh, Linda Godfrey. Linda uh, is a researcher and an investigator of werewolves, Bigfoot, and similar creatures for 24 years. Also the author of 16 published books on strange creatures, places, and people, such as The Beast of Bray Road and many others. Uh, Linda, thanks so much for being on Beyond Reality Radio. Good to have you on the program. Hi, Jason and JV. Thanks so much for having me. Why don't you, for the people who don't know who you are, and we've been talking about you for the better part of a week and a half here uh, leading up to your appearance, um, but tell people who you are and exactly what you do. Well, um, I am a resident of southeastern Wisconsin, uh, lifelong, and I got into this um, life interest of strange creatures sort of by accident when I was working as a newspaper reporter here in southeastern Wisconsin, and people of my own hometown of Elkhorn started saying 
they were seeing what they would describe as a werewolf, if there was such a thing, uh, r- usually running across the road on this four-mile-long country road called Bray Road, right outside of Elkhorn, east, just east of it toward Burlington. And um, I found out that our county animal control officer had a file folder marked werewolf that he shared with me. And now when you've got a county officer with a file folder marked werewolf in his office, <laughs> you know, that's that's news right there. And so it, it became a news story. And when um, I began to interview the people that had been calling into him, I was very intrigued because they didn't seem like liars. You know, I couldn't, they weren't looking for any kind of, uh, in fact, they, they wanted to remain anonymous at first. They weren't looking for any kind of fame or fortune. They just wanted to find out what this was. And and that's why they were calling this guy. And, and that seemed, you know, just very normal and, and truthful to me. And I decided to find out, if I could, what it was that they had seen. And so that kind of started off, started me off on my uh, lifelong quest to figure these things out and answer the question, why um, are people seeing these? Because they were not, these, these this handful of, uh, there were like 6 to 12 right away, um, that came out and, and told me about their experiences. And what I found out when the, when the story broke very quickly was that there were people not just in Wisconsin, not just Bay Road, not just Wisconsin, not just the U.S., but Canada, South America, Europe, all over the place. There were people seeing what sounded like this exact same creature, something that looked like a wolf or wolf-German shepherd hybrid, that could easily run, jump, leap on their hind legs and seem to do so as their um, major means of getting around. So um, that that was just kind of mind-blowing to me, and it's left me uh, curious, you know, not not only as to what the creature is, but, you know, why do people, if it, if it isn't something real, if it isn't something we can catch and put our finger on and catalog, and, you know, uh, give a, a genus name and everything to, then why do people keep seeing it? You know, it, there's just a great mystery here to be solved. And so uh, 17 books later, um, they aren't all exactly on that creature, but they're, most of them are somewhat related. Uh, you know, I'm still searching for those answers and have more ideas now than, than I used to, but... Um, still don't have that elusive, just like Bigfoot, you know, we, we don't have that one in front of us to declare the final proof. Yeah. Well, and the first reports of the Beast of Bray Road was actually back in 1936, correct? Well, it may or may not have been the same creature. It had a little bit different description. It was not on Bray Road or even in the same county. It was in Jefferson County, which is the county north of Walworth. And it was... Um, there was a, a witness sketch drawn. Um, the witness actually directed his son, who was something of an artist, to draw it while the, the witness himself was on his deathbed, or believed he was on his deathbed. Okay. And he just wanted to pass this on to him. But it almost looks like something between a Bigfoot and the upright canine, which is not what anybody really ever describes if they get a good look at it. It's usually either plainly canine or plainly primate and Bigfoot. You know, there's... There's just very much difference between head shapes and muzzles and feet and, and legs and things like that. 
But uh, so this one, according to the sketch, sort of could have been either. Um, and even he heard it make a sound that he described as gadara, which could have been either a primitive word or it could have been just sort of a, a pronounced growl because the, the G and the R sounds are, you know, what you hear when an animal growls. Okay. And it's, yeah, so it's, that one is a little ambiguous. Over toward Jefferson, we do have Bigfoot sightings. So, um, you know, it could have been an early Bigfoot sighting just as well. And I know that, well, reports of, of uh, the description of this thing is anywhere from four to 700 pounds. And when it's standing on its hind legs, it sits seven feet or taller. When it's standing on all four, it's uh, around uh, two to four feet tall. And that's all correct, right? No. <laughs> wow, geez, okay. Some, no, no, there, there are, and I think it's thanks to a couple of certain TV shows where they weren't clear between what the witnesses were trying to describe it. There was, there was one in particular that had a number of cases on that were all around in the same area, but some of the witnesses, and if you read my book, Hunting the American Werewolf, you'll know which ones they are, some of the witnesses... We're, clear, we're sure they had seen Bigfoot, were clearly explaining Bigfoot and didn't want it to be seen as anything but Bigfoot, um, and yet it was portrayed on the show. You know how they'll snip a sentence here, snip a sentence there, and oh, it was yeah. portrayed, on, it portrayed on the show as all being the upright wolfman. At least that's what you would think. And that, and so when, when you see Bigfoot, that's where you get the poundages of for. 400 to 700. When people are clear that it's the Wolfman, it's normally um, like 150, maybe to 200 at the most. Maybe maybe 250 at the very outside, but that would be a rather small Bigfoot. So when you see those giant um, poundages, it most likely was a Bigfoot witness that was somehow, um, you know, conflated with, with the Dogman on on a TV show, almost all of I've I've had a lot of experience with the TV shows, and almost all of them will fudge something or other, you know, just to uh, to yeah. fit their script a little bit better. Unfortunately, yeah, I've I've seen that happen a lot. Yeah, I was going to say because four to seven hundred pounds and being on four, all four feet uh, and being about two to four feet would almost sound like like a common black bear. So it was uh, right. Yeah, definitely was. It had always made me wonder on on a lot of those reports. I will add real quickly, too, um, the dogmen do go just as easily on all fours as they do on, on two legs. And many times witnesses will see them standing up, and then they drop down and run away on four, or vice versa. They'll be on all four, and then they'll rise up and chase on, on two legs. And Bigfoots also have um, many eyewitness reports of them running as a quadruped, when they are, especially when they're in the area where there are humans through neighborhoods and and that sort of thing. Linda, did you say that uh, that you had really no interest in this topic at all and you just happened to write that article and that kind of fueled, you know, the the response and the and the and the curiosity got became fueled at that point? Well, when I say that, I I mean particularly things that look like werewolf because it hadn't really occurred to me that there could be something like that outside of myth and legend. Um, I was always interested in, in um, Bigfoot, 
my dad had lots of the old men's mag- magazines around in the 60s, like Argosy and Sports Field, where they were printing those first uh, articles by, by some of the very first cryptozoologists. Yeah. And I was, and, and you'd see the picture of Bigfoot on the cover, you know. And then there were the Myra Shackley books that came along. So I was always very interested in Bigfoot, UFOs, that sort of thing, psychic phenomena. So I had the interest in the general field, but not in that particular species. You had said, and I remember you talking about this when you were on our program a while ago, that this particular case is somewhat unique in the sense that there's actually a government file, or there was anyway, a government file about it, which kind of adds some credibility that you don't see in a lot of these kinds of cases. Well, that was the file that I mentioned um, in the beginning, our county animal control officer. So um, he was, you know, I guess in a sense, a government official. He was contracted by the county government. So you could say it was a government file, I guess. But, I mean, it was in, it was in his office. I happened to, to, when I first heard about this story, you know, and I started asking around, I was already working with him because he was doing an undercover sting on a puppy mill, you know, and, and I was planning to cover that. And so I had asked him if he'd heard about it, and that's when he, he showed me the file. So, um, you know, it was, it was legitimately a, a, a government document. And it's interesting because not too long after all of that came out, and um, he was, of course, quoted in, in my story and in the newspapers uh, for his opinions about the creature and everything, um, but he actually lost his job. There was sort of a big turnover, and it was it was really just kind of a strange situation. You know, I I never personally understood why he was removed. You know, so that hmm. that happened, and then somehow when all the changeover happened, that file was lost and gone. I was just going to ask you that because I, I remembered you saying that the file disappeared. Now, when he showed you the file, did you get a chance to actually read it? And and if you did, what did mm-hmm. it say? Well, it was it was a manila file folder, and in it were um, pages that he had taken notes on when people called him, you know, and had the person's name and their phone number, and just a basic quick description of, of what they had said. Um, you know, where the, where it was and, and the time and what it looked like, that kind of thing. So it wasn't it wasn't like there were pages and pages of typed up documents. It was basically his notes of the callers that and I he shared those uh, con- that contact information with me, mm-hmm. and that's how I was able to go and find the first witnesses and talk to them. So, did, uh, did he, so that was interesting. Did he himself go out and investigate any of these reports? I don't really believe so. His best guess as to what they were, he was telling people that he felt that they were seeing <laughs> a coyote. Now, remember, these people were reporting something that was between five and seven feet tall. Coyotes are really not large. He, w- he was telling them what they saw was a coyote that somehow leaped up when it saw their car and managed to kind of hang suspended for a moment um, while the the car's headlights, you know, f- flashed on its eyes, so that they thought it was a really tall thing, 
but really it was just a coyote jumping high in so, the air. That sounds like a magic bullet theory uh, in the Kennedy case <laughs> yeah. to me. It's kind of, you know, the bullet turns yeah. left, takes a right, jumps up, goes down. Um, so, exactly, but, so, exactly. So would, would it be your uh, impression at that point that he didn't necessarily take them seriously, despite the fact that he had a file folder called Werewolf? He didn't necessarily take the reports very seriously. I th- No, I think that he was much more... Um, Deter- he was working on that puppy mill thing, and and it had other quite a few other projects that I think he was he was very busy with at the time, and this wasn't something he could really easily explain. Um, so I, I you know I I think that's why he probably didn't delve more deeply into it. But um, at that time, I in that same time frame, um, there was um a sheriff's deputy that went or excuse me no it was a, a dnr agent department of natural resources agent that was called out to a farm again in jefferson county which uh, just north who i was able to interview later who did go and investigate a call from a woman who was being harassed she had a, a tall furry animal come up right right to her um front porch and then she saw it uh, go out to the horse barn and heard her horse scream, and the horse was left with big uh, slashes on its neck. And it sounds, the creature to me sounds much more like a Bigfoot. It wasn't ever completely determined, but the um, officer told me he did see Prince, you know, in the mud it went through her garden. He did see the slashes on the horse's neck. He believed the woman's story. You know, she had enough corroborating evidence. Um, so it, it was investigated by at least that one official, you know, back in those those times that was willing to talk about it and, and affirm the witness. Well, and the tough thing is, I'm sure that, especially with all these experiences, that there's some claims that you're able to just chalk off as just people looking for attention and they're out there claiming they ran into this. But out of all the claims that you've really investigated, how many of them do you actually believe are legit? I believe that most most of the people who contact me are legitimate. I know there are other hoaxers out there. I, I know of at least four different hoaxing incidents on Bray Road over the years, and um, only one of them was someone who contacted me, and he wasn't trying to put anything over. He was just like, ha-ha, I went out there in a gorilla suit just to goof around, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and And the other ones never attempted to contact me at all. I just knew about them um, from other people who saw them and knew who they were and told me about them. But for the most, and, and even then, I, you'd think that if they were affecting the numbers of witnesses that I would have been able to connect them to um, certain witness reports, you know, that would have seen them about the time that they were going out and doing this. But that never happened either. It was almost like they, they kind of went out and did their thing and, you know, jumped out in the road and said, boo, and nothing really came of it. They just had some fun. There were two brothers, I know, that had werewolf masks, and there was another man that had a bear suit. So, you know, I I know these things happen, but most of the people, if they're going to talk to me and tell me their full story, um, you know, I believe most of them are sincere. They may not have seen exactly an upright cane. I, I think there are times when there have been mistaken identities when perhaps yeah, things, they things did get see a really big farm dog. Times. Do you think that's a common problem when it comes to people like yourself who are out trying to get to the bottom? I mean, we know people hoax, but how common is it, I guess, is the question. Well, you know, it's hard to say because they don't all get caught, but 
Um, I I think it happens fairly frequently, and um, I've never been one to shy away from that or deny it. I th- I think you have to put it out there so that you can um, actually distinguish between the hoaxers and and the uh, sincere people. Um, I, I it, it irritates me that they do it because it causes a lot of trouble. It's dangerous, not only for them. Um, those those two brothers that um, were wearing the masks on Bray Road quit because they were shot at, and that that happens you know more than once. There are a lot of people carrying guns in this world, and then you may remember a couple of years ago in Montana, there was the man who wore a ghillie suit trying to impersonate a Bigfoot ran out in the road and was hit by not one but two vehicles, killing him dead. You know, so it, it right. doesn't always end up well for the hoaxer either. Well, and they, they don't take that into consideration when they're, when they're doing this. It's more just out of the, uh, you know, the quick thought of let's go and try to scare somebody or... Or let's see if uh, we can get away with it or something, you know. They're like, so dumb. We'll just, we'll just show them how easy we can fool them. I think that's right. another... Well, exactly. Right, exactly. And not only that, it's dangerous if you're driving down the road with your kids... And something jumps out in the road, and you swerve to try and avoid it. You could have an accident, and you and your kids be hurt. So, you know, they they could um, possibly uh, cause inju- injuries to other people. Lyle Blackburn was our guest. Uh, was it last week, Jay? I think it was last week. Yeah, it was last week. Yeah. Yep. And um, he was talking about there's sometimes some confusion between um, a lizard man creature and a bipedal wolf Big man or anything, or anything that for that nature. yeah for yeah, that just just because the hair gets all matted down because it's wet it's in, in a swampy area or whatever and also just because all the moss and the algae in, in the water of that area a lot of times will give a coat a, a different color look a green look is like that yeah so is do you, you share that opinion or have you heard anything that would that would substantiate that well, I think that any time you've got some kind of animal that's normally a quadruped walking on its hind legs, um, depending on light and shadow and distance and things like that, it might be very easy to mistake one um, species, that, especially hoofed species and species that walk on their toe pads rather than, you know, bear, bears are flat-footed, humans, Bigfoot, we're flat-footed, but... You've got like goats, deer. I hear of goat men, deer men, lizard men, and lots of times, you know, people will will say it's one thing or the other. And then I show them my um, sketch that I did quite a while ago that I called the Indigenous Dog Man, which is my kind of composite of what most people say they see. And they'll go, "Oh, that's what it was. That's what it was." You know, and they'll they'll say that at first they thought it was, they said it was a lizard man, but now they think it's the dog man, or vice versa. Um, you know, where they, I have had a few situations where they thought maybe it was a werewolf-like creature, and then when they saw it more closely, you know, it didn't have the ears, it had scales. I had a lizard man that was seen in, um, it wasn't reported directly to me, I shouldn't say I had, but there was a lizard man, um, well, wait, I, I, I mix up my stories here. <laughs> I had, there were, se- there were several lizard man sightings in Wisconsin in the same year. One was reported to me directly and that was a man and his son who were looking for a lost dog on the shore of um, one of the rivers in La, in La Crosse, Wisconsin, which is on the Mississippi, and then the Black River runs up uh, northeast, easterly from it. And they stopped, just got this sense to stop, and they looked, and there in the riverbed 
was this man-sized creature with scales, big slanted yellow eyes with slit pupils and uh, scales all over it, but its body was very, very humanoid. And they stood there looking at it for just a second, and then they ran, and it evidently went back in the water. They did later find their dog, so the the dog wasn't lost. But the interesting thing is that um, right around that same time, if you follow the the Black River up a, a certain ways, it gets up to Medford, and that's up in northern Wisconsin. And within a couple of days' time, both a sheriff sta- or a, a state patrolman, actually it was, a state patrolman, and then separately a truck full of highway repair workers, each encountered a similar-looking guy or creature standing in the middle of the highway. And as they drew near it snapped out a pair of previously hidden wings from behind its back and then just kind of soared up and away. So possibly the one that the guy saw on the riverbank also had the wings. But, um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure that in at, at that first glance that they had at the creature, they, their minds were doing the little flip chart dance that people describe where they're going, what is that? You know, cow, no, dog, no, horse, no, you know, lizard, no. Right, right. <laughs> and, and it sometimes takes a while. But I've also had people tell me that they saw satyrs, which is, you know, the old um, term for like a, a, a goat man, I guess, would mm-hmm. be the best best word, and then change their minds and, and vice versa. And, and people, I think sometimes people have may have also seen upright deer, which will stand like to feed. I've seen one in my own backyard, took a picture of it standing upright to feed at a bird feeder so it could reach it. Or if there are particularly scrumptious leaves on a tree at a certain level, they'll stand up to get them. And somebody might come along and see that and see the big deer ears sticking out and the muzzle and assume that it's a dog man when it was really just a deer. Yeah, well, deer will do that when in an aggressive stance too. They'll they'll come at yeah. come at oh, when threatened. They'll yeah. come at them kicking with the front legs um, on their hind yeah. legs. So yeah, I've seen that. Now, yeah. Linda, this yeah. uh, this creature that you said spr- uh, sprouted the wings and took off. Uh, about how tall did you say that that creature was, or how tall did they say that creature was? Well, they it wasn't giant or anything. They described it as you know the size of a typical man. So to think of a man, a man-sized creature, you'd think that that thing would have to have a good ten to twelve foot wingspan, ten to fourteen foot wingspan, if you think about it. No, hmm. what they actually remind me of these things, because there was also the bat squatch in lacrosse, which was like a, it had bat-shaped wings, and came at flew at these two men's uh, pickup truck, and then at the last second just. Again, zoomed up. It almost sounds like a man in a suit with a rocket pack and maybe little wings that would snap. I mean, if someone were going to design um, some kind of little little wings for, you know, so it looked like it was flying, but it had, uh, you know, like a, a rocket pack on, on its back. And, I mean, these things exist. Um, people, they're, they're getting more sophisticated now, but they've been in the works for for quite some time. So that's a possibility The people who saw these things, you know, none of them thought it was anything like that. And especially especially seeing the thing with with kind of glowing yellow, huge um, eyes with slitted, you know, pupils, that didn't really look at all like, I mean, that would be a pretty close big to costume. It, they would have had yeah, but, to have been really close to be able to see the pupils like that. Well, they were. I mean, they walked almost, you know, right up on it. It was on the, the, ba- the bank of the river and, and as if it had just crawled out. And they were looking along the yeah. riverbank for their dog. 
So they were quite close. But That makes you never want to swim in that river. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I mean. exactly. Uh, my name is Robert Welch. Uh, this is the road, Caledonia Road, the bridge of the fish off. We channel catfish here at night. Been fishing here for 20 years, and the last two years now we've been getting growled at and hearing wood knocks and had large stones thrown at us and been chased out of our spot numerous times. Linda, you probably recognize that uh, soundbite from a witness uh, by the name of Robert Welch. I'm not sure if you actually recorded that or interviewed Robert, but, mm-hmm. you know, he, he talks about having rocks thrown at him, gr- hearing growls. Mm-hmm. Obviously, these creatures can be menacing, whatever they happen to be, and my question to you before we went into the break was, in any of your interviews or your discussions with eyewitnesses, have you seen any that have been really fearful, uh, maybe for their lives or just in general, knowing that that creature is close by? Um, does it affect people that way, or is it more just a curiosity you're finding? I find a lot of people who are really, really terrified, and that they, I've seen people just go completely white pale thinking about it again, start to shiver. Um, I remember I had one woman who was, uh, she was a medical worker and had to leave really early to work. She was always on her way, like at 5 o'clock when it was dark. And one of these just kind of popped up out of the ditch at her, and she almost went off the road. And this was a couple weeks later when she was telling me about it. Her husband had called me. She was too frightened to, to really talk about it. And she just ended up weeping. She was so um, terrified again. She was one that she felt she made eye contact with it, and she felt that it was passing on this, um, not in, in English, but the message that if she told anyone that she saw it, it would come and find her and get her. And it took her, you know, almost a week to get up her courage to tell her husband about it. So, and, and she's the one that I think of the most, but, um, you know, I've seen other people just, they'll start sweating, um, their hands are shaking, um, they'll turn white and then red, they'll stutter, you know, they'll have to stop and put their head in their hands for a minute. Not everybody. There are some people, I mean, I've had a few people who said they, they saw it and they thought it was just some kind of, it was a really cool thing that they saw it and they felt privileged and they didn't feel fear. Most of the time, those people are in a vehicle and just kind of speeding on, you know, or going by. They're they're viewing it from a pretty safe vantage point. Um, other people, I know, I had four four people in South Milwaukee who were chased by one that jumped out of a cornfield as they were walking. That the road they were on actually led down to uh, to the, a cliff over um, Lake Michigan. So it was, it was kind of an odd place to uh, encounter something like that. And it chased them back to where um, the streetlights began again, and then it dove back into the cornfield. But um, they felt, especially the la- the slowest guy who was at the end of it, really felt he could hear its feet pounding behind him, he said, and he could feel it, um, you know, reaching out for He had one of those loose cotton shirts on that was kind of billet. It was unbuttoned and it was sort of billowing behind him as as he ran and there were little slash marks in the shirt and uh, he lent it to me and I tried to find somebody who would look at it but there just wasn't really any residue you know to prove anything that made those things but I'll tell you that guy was terrified and he was a very strapping like a 22 year old student and he was just absolutely he's he uh, went to his mother's house 
he and his and his brother and their friend, and the aunt was there. The aunt was actually the one who called me out of the family, and she said they they just acted like you know so something had terrified them so bad that um, they could barely speak, and and she felt they were they would not have come home and made that up to her and and their mother. Well, what's the old saying? You don't have to be the fastest guy. You just got to be the faster than the slowest guy. But um, exactly, exactly. So I only have uh, to outrun you. Exactly. As long as you, yeah, a good kick to the, anybody's knee will slow them down enough that you can pull ahead. Uh, but uh, so, has there ever been through all of your research? Has there ever been any documented attacks? I, I know you're talking about the guy who had his shirt torn and so forth, but. Is that the furthest of an actual attack that's happened? Or has it mainly seemed like these creatures' main goal is just to get you out of that area? Just, you know, leave leave us alone, let, let us be. Well, according to, you know, my, my own research, the reports that I've seen, there may be other people who claim to have seen, uh, had reports where people were attacked, but I haven't seen them, so I don't usually, you know, claim to know much about them. But um, I've had one man, and I've I've talked about this on radio before, where um, he was from Quebec, and he was um, trail hiking by himself, unarmed, and just sort of came face-to-face with an upright wolf-like creature. Um, They looked at each other, and he was just so frightened. He said his his body just really didn't know which way to go. And he was, you know, when you meet somebody in a grocery aisle, and you go one way, and then they go that way, and then you go that way, and they go that way. exactly, yep. And that's kind of what happened, and he feels like he sort of clumsily got in its way as it was trying to just run past him, because it sort of, one of it, it had its mouth open, and one of its fangs kind of grazed his uh, flank and hip as it went past. And he sent me a photograph of the big jagged scar that he had, and he had to go and get stitches, and he told them it was a bear because he did not think that, um, you know, they would believe what, what he really saw. Yeah, you think you'd that's be the only. Up. Yeah, exactly. So that's the only known human injury from a uh, a man wolf. But now, now the Bigfoot are something different, you know. And I actually was hiking with a colleague um, maybe about two years ago through um, kind of a lesser-used, rougher stretch of the Kettle Moraine State Forest, and um, he was he's about six foot two, six foot three, three hundred pounds, and we. We decided. I had actually suggested that he try shaking one of the small sapling trees just to see because I read that this was how Bigfoot communicated with themselves or or intimidated other people to get out of the territory. And we thought it might just provoke a reaction or something. So he did that, and a rock came sailing out of nowhere and beamed him right in the head. Um, he had on a baseball cap, but it wasn't very good protection, and. I was looking sort of in the direction where the rock came from, and if a person had stood up and thrown it, which they would have had to have done in order for it to have hit him from the angle it came, uh, I certainly would have seen it. I saw nothing, just this rock coming from somewhere out of the, the bushes and and hitting him, and it, it actually uh, gave him a concussion. Um, he had a little difficulty remembering how to drive home. So, uh, but that I don't believe was a, a dog man because they're not made to be able to a grasp something like a rock, especially one that big, or b put their arm back. They don't have rotator cuffs, you know, or arms that are made 
for branching out and holding things. So I I believe it would be really difficult for a dog man to chuck a rock at somebody. And if, and I think all right. this was Bigfoot. All right, so there's never really been any known attack except for uh, you know the mistake of that one guy getting getting caught. But that that's a common like even when you're dealing with bats, they tell you if you've got bats flying around you not to make any quick movements because they'll go around you. But and it's the people who make the quick movement that end up getting hit by a bat or uh, having issues right. with bats. So the, it's a common thing, especially when dealing with the the animal world. Right, and I do always add the uh, the caution that. These are only the ones that live to tell the tale. For all we know, I mean, some people could have been killed by one and uh, taken yeah, it's and never seen It's not like they could have told you, right? <laughs> exactly. It's exactly. not like they were there to tell yep. you. Right, right. So, you know, I always do put that. And then I know there there are another researcher or two that say that they have, um, you know, um, some kind of reports that this kind of thing happened, but there was never any proof or anything like that. So I don't rule it out entirely. I'm just saying in the reports that I've received over 24 years, um, that's the only one I've had other than the, the Bigfoot, again, is kind of different. There have been some things with them. Linda, let's talk evidence. You've had a lot of conversations, a lot of people who've offered their uh, encounters, the stories of their encounters, but has anybody been able to give you anything in the form of concrete evidence of their encounter, whether it's uh, a picture, obviously would be great, um, or a, a clump of hair or footprints or anything like that? Footprints, yes. You know, uh, the f- footprints are fairly plentiful, and they just, most of the time, for the dog man, they look like large canine prints, like very, very large wolf-type prints, uh, to be more exact. Um, and sometimes if the prints are made like in soft sand or mud and the creature is kind of rearing back to spring or to, to uh, start running, the hock or the, what we would call the, the heel and ankle joint that's farther up on the leg will kind of bend down and also contact the ground. And then you get something really interesting that looks kind of like a combination um, canine and Bigfoot, but really it's just the the elongated um, total footprint with with the hock joining with the toe pads, where it's, it's usually that usually the hock is up about a, a, a foot of, above the the ground. So uh, so they can vary that way, but but yeah, we do have footprints. That's probably the best. Um, I've had some people offer some hair, but it turned out to, to be other animals. And I know this has happened with, with the Bigfoot, too. The Bigfoot probably leaves a lot more um, evidence behind. And then, of course, you probably know it's very controversial. There have been attempted DNA studies, and, and the studies have come out saying it's something unknown. And, of course, that's or, or primate. And, and even more specific, I won't get into all of that. It, I'll just let it lie at, at being controversial. But um, Bigfoot has more it has almost more of a culture. You know, it, it seems to construct these rough uh, semi-shelters of branches, and it is um, more likely to use, it has hands, so it can interact, hold things, leave things behind. Um, I've had, uh, I have a picture in my, my new book that's coming out that M.K. Davis shared with me, where people had brought him what they believed were samples of Bigfoot fur and possibly uh, Bigfoot droppings, too, you know, and 
um, those have come out interesting too in in their their um, w- when they're examined. So we have those kinds of things. We don't have skeletons. We don't have complete dead carcasses that are known. Maybe they've been found. Perhaps um, I suspect that if such things were found and the government knew about them, they would be spirited away and we wouldn't be informed as the public. I just say that from long experience with with different uh, government agencies. Right. We're so, talking. We're to, yeah, we're going to take a break, Linda. We're talking with Linda Godfrey. We're talking about cryptids, specifically the Beast of Bray Road. We're talking about wolfmen, dogmen, uh, Bigfoot, the, running the gamut here. And we've got a lot more to come. It's Beyond Reality Radio with Jason and JV. Something on your mind? Call the Beyond Reality Radio listener line now, toll free at 844-687-7669. Hey gang, it's JV from Beyond Reality Radio, and I just want to remind you that Scaricon is approaching quickly. You need to put it on your calendar. It's September 30th through October 2nd. What is Scaricon, you ask? Well, Scaricon is a fan convention for lovers of paranormal, horror, sci-fi, and pop culture entertainment. The Scaricon weekend includes celebrities from your favorite movies and TV shows, unique vendors, informative panels, film screenings, parties, and much more. It's a weekend full of fun and socializing with some great people. If you need more information about Scaricon, check out the website at Scaricon.com. Also, subscribe to the email list for frequent updates. Scaricon is being held September 30th through October 2nd at Turning Stone Casino and Resort in Verona, New York. It'll be the best weekend of the year, and you don't want to miss it. Visit the website at Scaricon.com. That's Scaricon.com for all of the latest information, and don't forget to check out the Facebook page. See you at Scaricon. How do you like me now? Don't forget, the telephone number is 844-687-7669 if you'd like to call and share a, a story. Uh, if you've had an encounter or you, um, you'd like to talk to uh, Linda Moore and ask a question about any of her books or her uh, research or her, or her encounters herself. Linda, again, thanks for joining us on Beyond Reality Radio. And um, am I correct in understanding you've had personal experiences? You've actually run into some things along the way during your research? Yeah, that's true. Yep, I've... I've um been out in the field enough. That I, I think if you, if you do spend enough time in the field in areas where these things are sighted, um, you know, sooner or later it, it may happen. And I, I definitely have had some experiences, yes. What would you say of your experiences stands out to be the most um, head-scratching for you? Wow. They, they really all are head-scratching. I mean, you just kind of, it's like coming up against the abyss. There's this thing that just goes somewhere where you have no experience. And um, it, it's, a, it's a very humbling experience in a lot of ways because you realize, yep, there really is something out there bigger than me that I don't understand, you know, and, and perhaps never will. Um, but I've, I've had experiences with what I'm pretty sure were, were Bigfoot. I've had experiences with, or one experience where I may have seen the back of a man wolf, where it was upright. What I saw was gray fur illuminated for just a second in a spotlight, and the fur was vertical, and it was at least seven feet tall because it blotted out um, a reflective road sign as it ran across the road. 
and someone else saw the same thing at the same time I was on location with a TV show and some witnesses in Michigan. Did you get a picture? No, no. I had actually, um, my camera at that time had run out of every batteries, everything, and I had put it in the, um, the van that the TV crew was using, so I, I didn't have my camera out functioning anymore, and the cameraman just happened to be pointed down the opposite way <laughs> well, I, I, the road I when asked, it happened. I asked that question with a bit of a, a, um, an objective, because I knew, I knew the answer would be no, because you would have shared it with us. But it just mm-hmm. illustrates, I mean, so many times people will say, well, you know, if you saw this Bigfoot running through the woods, or you saw this running, why didn't you get a picture? But the, 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 the problem is it happens so instantly. And right. and it's also a bit startling and a bit stunning. And to snap that picture, you gotta you gotta have your wits about you, and if you actually have something in your hands to snap it with. Um, and the encounter lasts for sometimes fractions of a second or a second or two. And uh, getting a picture sounds a lot it sounds a lot easier than it actually is. Well, and, that's, uh, that's really really true. Yeah, because even if you're holding the camera, you have to aim it and shoot it and make sure you've got it on the right one. I, you know, I took a fabulous video of um, a turkey hen pecking at my picture window the week before last, only to realize I had it turned on selfie, you know, when I, <laughs> when I got done. So it would have been so great. I could have had a million views on YouTube, I'm sure. But um, I had another experience just about exactly a year ago. It was August of um, 2015, and a property owner and a colleague of mine were staking out a hayfield um, at night in an area where I've been helping conduct a, a two-year study with his proper, property owner. I've been assisting him because he has, we call it the mini Skinwalker Ranch, because he's had um, all kinds of things. We've been through 17 deer carcasses, which end up mutilated or weird things done to them. Uh, you know, the trail camps never work. And we've had a carcass that was out there for a while and nothing was touching it. And we thought, well, maybe there's something else out there that's preventing anything else from coming in. So we were sitting there watching, and we were across, set up across the field, all the way across the field from the tree line where this carcass was. And I happened to notice that there was a light that I at first took for an airplane, except it stopped right over the tree line, and it backed up. And then it went forward again, and I said, guys, that's not an airplane over there. And they both looked, and by at the time, and this is sort of crucial, I think, the time that the three of us all turned our attention fully upon it, it began to move across the field toward us. And mm. it took maybe a, a minute or two minutes to get to us, and the light at that time, you know, didn't look that big. I, I was getting my camera ready. I was kind of aiming in my viewfinder. It looked minuscule, and I'm thinking, well, I'm going to wait till it gets a little cold closer and we're all going what could it be what is that you know what is this thing is it a a, you know a kite with a candle in it or a balloon or what is it and it got to where it was within about 30 feet of the car and maybe 30 feet in the air approximately and we could we could see that it was a perfect spherical object that was sort of self-illuminated very evenly it didn't cast any light on what was around it. It was just sort of self, self-lit. self And it had stopped at that point and was hovering, sort of looking at us. And I was just raising my camera. I'm like, aha, I'm going to get this thing. And the guy who was driving, um, my colleague, grabbed a large flashlight without saying anything, and he 
shown it out his window, up directly up at the object. And I, we all swore this later. It hesitated for a moment because, of course, all of our eyes were riveted on it. And then it just kind of went loop and kind of, I won't say collapsed. It, it You know the way that an LED light will go out sometimes? Yeah. Um, that's kind of how it went. But it wasn't an LED light. It was, it was a globe. It was a mm. sphere. And we all yelled our favorite um, epithet. Uh, because it was so shocking. It was just against all the laws of physics. And this particular property owner is a retired math and physics teacher from Chicago. You know, and, and he was just going out of his court. This can't be. This could not have happened. That's not possible. You know? And it wasn't, really. But the thing was, there I had my camera. I was ready to take it. And, uh, you know, my own colleague kind of ended that because there at that point there was nothing left to take. I might add... Um, he, as soon as that happened, he said, I have to get out of the car. And he went out of the car, walked around for 30 seconds, and then came back and was deathly white and said, I'm sick, I have to leave. Hmm. Yeah, it sounds almost so, like you're, you saw like a, one of the will-o'-the-wisp type things floating Something like that. I mean, we call it a UFO because it was unidentified, it was sort of flying, it was an object. But um, it wasn't like a hard construction of any kind for it, no, by well, any means. Approximately how big would you say it was, though? Uh, we would say we all estimated it about the size of a basketball. Okay, so yeah, it would be about the size of the uh, the will of the world. Oh, it could be, yeah. Some yeah. type of flying orb. You know, we don't know what it was. But we do feel that it was aware of us because it was when we all focused on it that it came across the field to us as we all watched and then... Um, you know, it sort of had that feeling that it was surprised when the flashlight beam hit it. I know, like, overseas and Russia and so forth, everybody's got dashboard cameras on their cars, and, and that's why mm -hmm. you, you see a lot of great things showing up on the news. But what what do you think it's going to take for us over here to finally catch solid proof of a Bigfoot or this Beast of Bray Road or some sort of a creature that has gone as of right now it you know it's one of those things that is it legend is it lore is there any truth behind it what do you think it's going to take for us to finally catch something i don't know perhaps some unprecedented new invention that you know i was <clears throat> i was thinking that when everybody had drones um that that might actually be something that could sneak up and flash, you know, a, a picture before something could see but it or get away. those are so hard because I own a bunch of them, and I'll fly them over the yeah. backwoods behind my house, and, uh, you know, the wild turkeys are back there all the time. But I'll tell you right now, I'll put the drone up in the air, and I won't be able to see the tur turkeys from the air. Yep. I can see them from the ground, but I can't see them from the air. So That's, it, that's why I said I used to think yeah. <laughs> that, that drones would do it. But, I, yeah, I've just since they've really come into use, um, you know, nobody's really gotten anything with it. And I know people have been taking them out into prime Bigfoot territory, you know, and other places. Um, maybe they'll get refined more. Um, I I also have thought maybe maybe those glasses with a little tiny camera attached up in the frame that you just have to tap it, you know, and then you take a picture. But um, the only trouble with that is the creature would have to be really close to you to get a good shot. And if, if it's at night... Especially, you know, it's just not going to happen. I once there there was a, a man who was ha who had like four different sightings, and this was a guy with high security clearance from Milwaukee Mitchell Airport um, at a 
a lake not too far from uh, Bray Road, and a friend of mine, whose brother was a policeman, got to borrow police night vision equipment, and we drove around that entire night um, from from sundown till till dawn, trying to take pictures of whatever we could see. And there were so many animals that we we saw. A fox did not show up on it. We saw a deer. We got part of an eye. You know, when you're driving even slowly, like we were only going 25, 30 miles an hour, and one of us was always sitting holding the camera while the other one drove, and we got really bupkis for the whole night, you know, and it just shows how hard it is, even if you have equipment and you're going slowly and you're, the camera's set up. Um, there was another anecdote I tell to illustrate how hard this is. We had, for some reason, a bighorn sheep showed up um, north of Elkhorn, actually right near, not too far from where I live. Nobody knew where it came from. It was this huge thing. It just galloped in one day and was seen around the cemetery and then around certain houses. Eventually it made its way into town. And it was um, reported, this woman called me because she had reported it to the DNR agent, and he said, no, we have no bighorn sheep around here. You're crazy. You know, and so I contacted the DNR agent, and he said, you know, he said, I had to eat some humble pie yesterday. The lady is right. I saw it. I was driving along. Um, it crossed the road, running at a dead gallop right in front of my car. I had my camera right on the seat next to me. I pulled over, picked up the camera, and by the time I got the shutter pressed, it was out of sight. Hey, Linda, we're going to take a phone call here. We've had Jay on the line for quite some time waiting patiently. Jay, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, Ms. Godfrey. Okay, the only Hi, question I really had for her was, uh, what is the hawk? Is that spelled H-O-C-K? And uh, mm-hmm. what, what part was she referring to with that? Uh, I could say that um, probably the reason that most of these creatures aren't able to be uh, captured uh, photographically or video would be, uh, they're too they're too smart for that. They're too quick and intellectual and witty. Um, well, do you believe now, in the uh, do you believe in the interdimensional uh, thing there, Jay? Where people are talking? Oh, about I it, believe you know? in almost everything is possible, honestly. Okay. Um, but with the explanation for this um, is Russia is the country of the bear, as America is the country of let's say the eagle, but also reptiles, and that's why we have so many of the reptilians represented in both America and Europe. And by the way, that is a phoenix on the back of a dollar bill, not an eagle. That's a satanic symbol. Okay. Um, so the Bears is the Russian faction, and that is why um, – so that's what part of their, uh, let's say, alien races uh, – sorry, race or species or colony comes from. That's why Chewbacca was represented in Star Wars. And I even think it could be maybe even tied into uh, Planet of the Apes. But uh, the Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Yetis, all of that um, probably are interdimensional or tied to them. And uh, but they're basically just the worker bees when they're here. Um, the um, to explain more so why some of these creatures look very human-like or have man tied to them. Um, the uh, sh- there are shadow government or shadow entities that are splicing humans with animals and this has been admitted that they're doing this. And then you have the aliens and other interdimensional beings that have been breeding with humans for a long time, and that's where you have a lot of the abductions and things. Not to mention Lucifer and CERN 
has been unleashing creatures that are or were trapped and now are hiding in our world, and eventually they're all going to be unleashed on us. But as I said before, CERN opened the gates of hell earlier this summer in Switzerland back in June, and now they are continuing to open portals and temporary gateways um, to and from there. And you think, and you're suggesting that some of these creatures are directly, that's where they're coming from. Well, I would believe that the reason why the Bigfoots or Sasquatches and all that, why that's been seen for so long, no, I believe that is tied more to the um, to, to coming from the other dimensions or, or space, however right. you want to put it, which is basically one and the same. But here more recently, and as the quickening happens, as, as we go further into Revelations and more of the seals and the trumpets and all of that, how far along we are, I really suggest people do some research to find out about this, where we are and what, and what is coming and what the mainstream media is not telling you. I won't reveal anything because I don't want to get anybody in trouble, I, uh, but I just want people I to really do the research to... and use discernment with these things. Well, are but you referring to the, the rapture to and stuff this. of that nature, Jay? Are you referring to the rapture? And thing? Are you referring to the rapture and, and things like that? Let me ask you this question, Jay. Jay, let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question. Why the hell are you not doing? Why the hell are you not doing your own radio show? I mean, you could go on. You got a lot of information. You really do. I and I mean that in all with the utmost respect. You really. You've got a lot of great information. You should be out there doing your own show. I don't want to put any more of a target on my back. <laughs> I may already All right, well, have for Jay, one. Jay, we've got to let you. Um, we've got to let you go right now because we're getting close to a break, and I wanted to give uh, Linda a chance to to respond to your to your call. But thanks so much for calling. It's always education when we get you on the line. Linda, any thoughts on any of that? Well, his his one actual question was what the hawk is on the, yep. you know, on the animal's leg, and that would be um, if you think about your dogs when it, it makes its little paw prints. And you look up its leg, people will often say of dogmen, well, their legs were bent backwards. But actually what they're seeing is what would be, if we stood our t- on our tiptoes where our heel is, um, the heel and, and ankle joint, that would be analogous to the hock on a four-legged animal. And it consequently looks like the leg is bent backwards. But it, we're, we're, we're expecting to see a knee, but we're seeing the heel. Right, and that's that's all that that means. Time is flying by. We don't have a whole lot left here, and we've got another phone caller uh, for Linda. We want to go to the line. This is uh, Chris. Welcome to Beyond Reality Radio, Chris. How are you doing tonight, Joe? Great, thank you. Good. Welcome to the show. Uh, my question was for Linda. Um, there, was, there was a show that was on. I'm sure you might be familiar with Les Stroud from Survivor Man. He did a couple of episodes of doing Survivor Man with the man that was after Sasquatch, and in the episodes he. Um, had footage of uh, Sasquatch walking up a mountainside, and then at the very end, they actually show where he had the camera set up in a still motion somewhere and captured a clear per, uh, picture of uh, Sasquatch, you know, hit him behind leaves. And I was wondering if you've seen the show or if maybe you talked to the man that Lestrade did the show with and, uh, and get your take on if you had seen uh, what was on TV. Yeah, great question, Chris. Have you seen that show, Linda? I think I've I've seen the, that clip. I don't think I've seen the whole show, but I've seen that clip that he's talking about, and it looked pretty good to me. Um, you know, it's it's there's so many blob squash things that you see out there that you get kind of jaded after a while, and that you know that one that one looked decent. I I do think that there are probably um, a, a number of fairly 
blurry shots that really are sas- you know like you know you know what you're taking a picture of um you know say you're taking your picture of your dog and the dog runs through you know it was your dog but somebody just looking at your picture because it was running and blurry couldn't say yeah that's a dog i think that often happens when people um you know are are taking pictures of these animals Right. And uh, if they are a- indeed animals, there, and there's a, of course another theory that um, if they are coming from other dimensions, that they are not in the same uh, light wave vibration that we are, and so they don't register on our instruments that are made to capture things fully in our dimension. Where can people find out more about your books and more about what you're up to? Well, the best place to start is lindagodfrey.com. Um, no www. It's uh, my blog. You can find recent stories there. There is uh, a link to my new book coming out October 11th from uh, Tarcher Penguin Random House, Monsters Among Us, an exploration of otherworldly Bigfoots, Wolfmen, portals, phantoms, and odd phenomena. And kind of what so, we were just talking about, huh? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And only it's far more shocking. It, it's really um, a lot of reports the likes of which I've never received before, and ones that seem to be associated with anomalous uh, things. And the full report of that two-year study with uh, this gentleman in his uh, field here in southeastern Wisconsin will be in it, other things like that. And it's available for pre-order on Amazon and other places. You can just go to lindagodfrey.com and you'll see the place to click for that and a, a little more information about it. And um, I'm going to be at the Milwaukee Paracon in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on the, uh, October 14th and 15th. Earlier that week, I'm going to be on one of the uh, New York uh, Daily News shows. You can watch my blog for for uh, precise information on that. I can't release the exact date yet. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff because of that book coming out on the 11th. Uh, my October is pretty busy and booked, and I'm going to be uh, putting a new listing if you go to lindagodfrey.com, there's an About page, and you can find um, book lists, um, bios, and a calendar that I'm going to be updating. I swear that I will. I keep saying that we've been buying, we're buying and selling a house hell at the moment, you know, and, mm. and it's been going on all summer. But uh, yeah, that just just keep going to lindagodfrey.com, and eventually you'll find. Uh, all the keys to the kingdom right there for everything else. Now, I have to say, I, I, I visited your website. In fact, I'm on it now, and I'm looking at a picture of you with John Zaffis, and I just have to ask you, how do you get mixed up with a character like that? <laughs> what a horrible oh, yeah, individual. Just, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Johnny's, Johnny's a very good came, friend of ours. I just came back. Oh, he's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I have a new picture up of me with Rosemary Guiley, both of which were taken different years at the Michigan Paracon up in the Sioux, which... They get like 1,200 people. I mean, they're out in the middle of nowhere, really. Yeah. And, yeah, 1,200, 1,200 attendees. It's a great, great paracon. I'm just back from that. It was this past weekend. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and hanging out with us tonight and talking about uh, all these weird creatures that you've, you've dealt with and you've written about throughout the years. Oh, it was my pleasure, and it, it did go so fast. Is your show a vortex? I think that it is. <laughs> Feels that way sometimes. <laughs> a time vortex. Sometimes yeah. we think it's a black hole. I'm not sure which well, it is. <laughs> it depends on the day of the week. Oh. So, well, you you have a very good night, hon, and thank you very much for your time. Thank you.
thank you to both of you for having me on. Anytime, I'll, I'd love to come back. Thank you, Linda. Oh, awesome. Linda Godfrey, and we appreciate her coming on. By the way, She's I, great. Yeah, she is. And I just wanted to, I didn't mention it before, but thank you to Chris for his phone call and his good question there. Uh, we had to let him go because we went into break. But um, I always love talking about this stuff, and I always find it very fascinating. I wish my memory was just a little bit better because I see this weave of connections that go between our guests, you know, like Lyle Blackburn and some of the things he was talking about yeah. and how it connects to some of the things that Linda was talking about and how it connects to the um, the gentleman that we had uh, from the, um, the uh, from uh, where was he, Alabama. Jeez, do you, I know. Do you take your insurer today, Jim? T- <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? Come on, you're not even old. What's going on with you? I know. It's just, there's just too many things going on in my I head. Know. But it's pretty amazing how these these theories and stories start to intertwine and and, um, and connect and it starts to create a pretty interesting pattern and, and a picture of, of what these creatures are and, and how we might eventually maybe be able to get evidence and proof of uh, their existence. Thanks for listening. It's Beyond Reality Paranormal. We'll see you next time.